My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am so excited for this week's episode. It's going to be so cool. Yay. Yay. I love this because, you know, I, in my old life, in my old profession, I spend a lot of time on stage. And so I'm so glad that we're doing haunted theaters. This is going to be way cool because theaters are definitely haunted. I love it. And the, the theatrical, the emotions. Oh, so much. I yeah, there's so it. much for spirits to feed on. Yes. This is another listener request. So shout out to Kate. So thanks, Kate, for yeah, suggesting yeah. this. Thank We're you, very Kate. excited to do this one for you guys. That's right. Oh, let's dive in for <laughs> stitches. I'm, I'm like, let's go. Let's you go. Are ready let's go. To go. I'm ready to go. So Nicole, yes. what has you in stitches this week? All right. So on theme of kind of theaters and entertainment, I am hooked on a new show. <gasps> what are you hooked on? <laughs> I'm excited. I need new shows. Let's I told go. her, I told her I have a new idol and my husband's going to love this too, because he introduced me to it and we are now watching Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted no, Lasso? No, because we don't have that streaming oh, service. Okay. We, what is it on? Apple? Apple? Yeah, we don't have Apple. We don't either. We, we He did it because he liked this show so much. So I got introduced to it and I'm so happy because Aww. Ted Lasso, dude, it's like the most positive show you'll ever watch. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. It makes you feel good. I actually cried. Oh, last, like we finished. Yeah, we finished the third or fourth episode of the first season. Mm -hmm. And I like was crying. Oh, yeah. that's sweet. And it just it touches your heart. And it's oh, so good. I want to watch See? it. OK, yeah, you got to watch it. So uh, it's the casting is phenomenal. It's made for Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Perfect. Oh, I love him as Ted Lasso. And yeah, and it, it's funny because we were talking about, I was talking about my husband and, and we were both in agreement. You hear about the, the topic of, you know, a football coach going to England to coach a soccer team and you're like, oh, right. cool, okay. Yeah. But it's so good. Yeah. Because I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's, it's, you know, people are always out to get other people and, you know, being vindictive and Ted Lasso just like takes it and turns it around and he makes everything beautiful and just oh. happy in a good way like not annoying oh that's yeah. awesome so, a ray of sunshine yes. type of show yes. I love that he is my idol now so oh. I'm gonna be Ted Lasso oh. <laughs> so I yeah love it. if anybody has not seen it please go see it go see Ted Lasso because it's so good and the third season just dropped I think too <gasps> okay good yeah so watch it oh cool okay yeah. I'll have to figure out how to watch it. <laughs> I want to watch it but now. But yeah, we come home. I come home. You know, I do all my things as a mom. I do my mom things. We do, and then we finally have time to watch it. I just like put it on now. And I'm like, we've got to watch like, it. It's your drug. Yes, <laughs> it is. You need that pick me up. Oh, I really do. Wonderful. So, That's so good. Watch Ted Lasso. Okay. okay. All right. I Let's love get it. you in stitches. Okay. So mine is not as positive <laughs> as yours. <laughs> That's good. We need some some so some balance. Balance. Yeah. I balance it out. Okay. So mine okay. is very ominous. Okay. Very dark. I kind of teased it last episode when I talked about how I have another ominous farm. Yes. Thing. Okay. 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 So last week, my mm -hmm. husband comes home and from work and he's like, there's a dead hawk in the yard. <gasps> you told me 
see this? Yes, I did. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So I'm like, oh, what? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, no. So no. I go out there and I'm like, what? what is... So I go out there. Uh-huh. It's a beautiful red-tailed hawk. Aww. It's beautiful. I love hawks. Hawks are gorgeous birds. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's big. And I've never been like that close to like you know uh alive it's not live anymore <laughs> but it was fully intact fully feathered i'm like what did it die of its eyes were completely gray no there were no no pupils no anything just gray so it died of old age i'm guessing it was old age because i don't sad. know what else because it was fully intact there was yeah. nothing like there were no it wasn't ripped apart by an animal oh. it wasn't attacked it was just laying on the ground oh, no yeah by the by the side of my house so you know i disposed of it properly and i did you pick it up with your bare hands no (laughs) i don't touch things with my bare hands but yeah so i was just like you know very respectful of it but it was beautiful at the same time it was very like ominous to have this like beautiful dead bird with gray eyes it looked like they were fully cataract you know just like there was no whites of the eyes. That's so creepy. No pupil, no anything. And it was just intact gray. too. And there was nothing Fully, wrong with yes, it. Yes, nothing. So That's not I'm, cool. I think it was old age. Ugh. Yeah, it was weird. Just dead in your in your yard. I just wonder dead if in my like, yard. is that a is that an omen, do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I was too scared to like look it up to see if that was like some kind of an omen. It could be. It could be. Should we look it up? Oh, okay. Let's look it up. Okay, I'm going to okay. look it up. Yes, hawks in general are considered a go- good omen or a good luck. Oh, okay. Good luck. But what about a dead hawk? I don't know. Okay, what is the spiritual meaning of a dead hawk? I represent a sign of change as an indicator of a large, larger transformation to come, such as a shift in priorities and beliefs. This could signal the beginning of a spiritual transformation and the subsequent changes it could bring. So it's not scary. Ooh, it's, it's just actually a symbol just a change. of change. Yeah. <gasps> How interesting. I mean, because this whole farm life is a big shift and big change for me and for the whole family. That's right. So, oh. So maybe it's a so good thing. Cool. So maybe it's just showing you, even though it's dead. <laughs> Poor guy. It's, you know, it's a symbol of there's yeah. change. Yeah. This, this is a big change. So this that's is a big not shift. so bad. Okay, good. Okay. I was totally terrified that it was going to be a very scary, ominous With thing. With the eyes and everything. Yes. Yeah, that's creepy. So, oh, cool. Okay, I'll have to so tell my good. husband and the kids that yeah. like, no, the, the dead hawk is just a symbol of change. Yes. We have a new life. This is a new thing, a new journey that we're on. That's right. At the farm. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And that's a good thing. Change is good. Change you is good. You got to accept it and embrace it. Yes. Or else it's going to, when you try to fight change. Oh my gosh. That's the worst. Yeah. So. Don't fight change. Yeah. Can I tell you something that yes. has been like a, a story in my life? Something that's been going on. The biggest example I have of this, and I see this like repeatedly happen through my life. People have this where you have something whether you believe it's your conscious or you believe it's your spirit guides or you believe it's God or whatever you believe, mm-hmm. you'll hear something in your head say, it's time for a change. It's time for a shift. It's, your intuition. It's time for something. Intuition. You're really good at that though. So because I've learned that I have to pay attention to that little whisper. So oh. anytime I have a whisper, mm-hmm. if I ignore it, that whisper turns into a louder voice really and a louder voice and a louder voice until it slaps me in my face and I have no choice but to make that change huh this has been happening in my life so one one of the best examples that I can show you is 
when I was after college, so I, you know, graduated with a music degree yes, and I went on to grad school and I graduated with a master's degree and then I quit music. Didn't want to sing. <laughs> I'm hitting my microphone. I'm that so passionate about it. I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to perform. I didn't want to do anything. I was done. I was mm-hmm. so burnt out. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. And instead I went into working with animals and I became a vet tech when I was working at an animal hospital mm-hmm. and the animal hospital was about to go through a change in leadership. I wasn't happy. Like it was nice working with animals and I learned a lot and I learned a lot of animal medicine, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't what I obviously spent almost my whole life up to that point working on. Sure. And it wasn't really where I was supposed to be in my life. And, and I knew that and, and I heard whispers in my head, like you need to quit you need to go pursue music. It's time to stop. You need to go finish what you started. Yeah. And I would ignore it and be like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I gave it up. I don't want to do it. And I even like gave away all my music and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then that voice just would get louder and louder and louder to the point where I I went to work one day Mm -hmm. at the animal hospital and everyone was kind of like in a tizzy and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, the hospital's closing in 30 days. <gasps> and I was like, why is the hospital closing in 30 days? Because another vet in the area swooped in oh, no. and took the lease from us, from the animal what hospital. Jerk. Because he, there's a lot of things going on, but he wanted to be the main vet in the area. Sure. He was and in competition. Yeah. So he wanted to be, so he saying, was jerk. very shady. <laughs> shady yeah so what happened is the two animal hospitals merged and uh, it was so it was under his leadership or it was something. under his yeah, leadership yeah, yeah, and I'm it sure. was in a very like prominent area uh, where there's a lot of movie stars sure so he wanted to be the the vet for the movie the stars. stars right yeah so that's what happened so they wound up merging the hospitals but it was like the hospital was closing i was going to be out of a job that's so so cool. even though in my head for months to this point it Same. was like you need to yeah. leave you need to quit all of a sudden the universe was like, you have no choice. Yep. You're out. <laughs> you're, out. you're done. This is it. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? That is really So crazy. that's been like a theme. If I ignore change, yeah. it's going to happen anyway. So yep. I can't fight the change. It's Just going to happen. Deal with it. Go with the flow. Right. I love it. So... Anyway, that's you got cool. to, to just kind of go through and I said a change <laughs> will do you good. A change will do you good. I even do the Cheryl background. That's yeah. Good. good job. <laughs> Thank you. Bird. Yeah. It, is. <laughs> it all comes back together. It all together. comes back. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's well, you cool. have some crazy cool thing to show <gasps> us. I do, you know, because we're bringing the drama with drama. the story time. So I thought I needed to bring the drama with the stitch it's this week. really cool. It's cool. Okay. Are we ready to get stitching? Yeah. Let's get stitching. Okay, Stitchers, so this week I thought we would explore the wild and crazy dramatic world of color pooling. Which I've never heard of. It's so cool. So color pooling is something that fascinated me for a long time. I'm like, how does that work? And the idea behind color pooling is that you take a variegated yarn. Mm -hmm. So a yarn that has many colors all, all throughout it. Yeah. 
and you control the color placement for that yarn. Nice. Right? So you decide where those colors are going and you line them up according to whatever plan you have for the pooling. Now, how does that work? Yes. You might ask. Please, please <laughs> do tell. And I've seen like different examples of color pooling, but the one that I wanted to do was an argyle. So I made an argyle pattern with this yarn and I watched many videos. So I'll give you a couple of the websites that I visited, but these are YouTube channels. So I'll give you a couple of the YouTube channels that I visited. I visited It's Time for Yarn and they have color pooling basics and they mm. tell she tells you how to control the color and some basic ideas of color pooling. And then I also went to YHN Fiber Company Ooh. and I followed her how to color pool and crochet with this great step-by-step -step guide. And I actually used one of the colors that she chose for her color pulling project. I went to the website because I thought it was really pretty. Yay. And so that's how, that's the main one that I went to with color pooling. But they both do a really good job of explaining the concept of color pooling, especially with the Argyle pattern. Cool. Okay. You can make any pattern. You can, there are specific patterns for color pooling. So there is like, I know you can do like kind of a camouflage kind of color pooling idea. Nice. Um, but a lot of it is like striping and argyle. So argyle I thought was the coolest it thing. It looks really awesome what you made. The stitch is simple. It's just the moss stitch. So there are two main stitches that you can do with color pooling. So it's moss and you can also do the granny stitch if oh. you have a yarn, but it really depends on the color length mm. that happens in the yarn Got it. and how the color repeat happens in the yarn as okay. to what you can do. Got it. So I made it simple for myself. Yay. That's Apparently better. you can color pool with a lot of different types of variegated yarn, but the main things you want to look out for with a variegated yarn is that you want a consistent break. You don't want the yarn to ombre and slowly turn into the other color. You want it like we're going exactly. from blue yeah. to red to gray to white or whatever the color is. You want that nice color break so that it's not confusing to you where you need to to switch the color and how you want to control the color. Yeah. And you also want consistent lengths of that color. It doesn't, not all the colors have to be consistent lengths with it. So you can have a shorter red and a long white, but you want all the whites to be the same length. And yeah. You want all the reds and you want all the blues, you know, whatever colors so you have in there. it has to be exact. You want the colors to be a similar length yeah. and you want to, you want about 10 to 12 inches in the color length as well. Okay. It doesn't have to be, you can change that around, but as long as you have a consistent color length and you know how many stitches you can get out of that color length, mm -hmm. you're good to go. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So I made it easy on myself and I chose a red heart yarn. They have specific color pooling yarn. That is so, so if you cool. want to try this and make it easy on yourself, Go to Red Heart. <laughs> they have pooling. It says pooling. And it's pool. P-O-O-L. Like you swim. Yep. <laughs> pooling. <laughs> so color pooling, pooling yarn. And I chose the papaya because it has a bunch of colors. I think it has like six colors That's that pretty. you go through. The colorway. And it's called a colorway. All the colors that you go through in here. So this is called papaya. But they have a bunch of different pooling yarns in that line. So check it out. Find which ones that you like the best. This has a six colorway and each length is probably about 10 inches. So the first thing that you want to do is you want to pull out a bunch of yarn and find out exactly how many colors are in the colorway. Oh. And you know that based on like where the colorway starts 
and where it repeats itself. Okay. Yeah. So for mine, it goes red, orange, pink, blue, green, kind of like a purpley gray. And then we're back to the red. Nice. Okay. So that's my color way here. I love those colors. You Isn't it pretty? Color. It's yeah. so fun. Yep. So that's my color way. And each one is roughly the same length. So each color is about, I'd say about 10 inches. So I'm going to get the same amount of stitches for each color that I'm going to be controlling here. Nice. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. So to, when you're doing your practice swatch to see how this works and how you're going to do the color pooling, you're going to start at the first color. You're not going to start at the end of of your yarn, but you're going to start where the first full color starts. So for example, mine started with the, the kind of purpley gray color, but I don't know if that was the full length of the yarn. So I started where it switched to the red and I tied my slip knot right at that start. Okay. Okay. And then I chained all the way through the colorway. Chain. Okay. Got it. Okay. So I chained through red, through orange, through pink, through blue, through green, and through the purple. And then when it started red again, then I knew that that's where I needed to switch to do my first row. Got it. Okay. Okay. And then we're using the moss stitch. So the moss stitch. Yeah, remind me because I don't remember. <laughs> I <laughs> the know it's an stitch, easy stitch. Yeah, it's a single crochet, chain one, skip one. Single crochet, chain one, that's skip it. one. That's yeah. it. Simple, Simple. I love it. Easy. Yeah. And this is where you get to kind of do some finagling. So color pooling is really about controlling your tension. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're going to have a looser stitch and sometimes you're going to have a tighter stitch because you want to make sure you get the same amount of Vs or single crochets every single time in that color. Yeah. That's how you're controlling it. Okay. So my magic number, I'm using a size five and a half. Okay. Hook, and that's about normal size. Yeah. That's like a normal six, size. Yeah. That's a, okay. that's what this yarn car calls for is a five and a half or Got a it. five. I'm a tight stitcher. So I went up to a five and a half, but mm. it calls, I think it says it calls <laughs> for a, a five. Tight stitcher. I'm a tight, <laughs> I'm a tight <laughs> stitcher. So anyway, so we're going to go, I, I went up to a five and a half and I'm getting three V's. Okay, three, three V's. V's per color or okay. three single crochets oh, okay. per color. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so that's my magic number. Now, your magic number can be different based on the length of the color that you're using, but so you want to get it consistent. Okay. Okay, so for me, in each of these colors, because all of the lengths are the same, it's three. So, what I did is once I single crocheted my way through the colorway, then I started my V's and I did three reds and then I did three oranges and then I did three pinks and then three blues, three greens, three purples. And then I stopped. And oh. as you can see, Nicole, I still have some chain left over. Yeah. That will be dealt with later. Oh, you just leave it. You just leave. You're going to have an extra chain. <laughs> I'd be chain. so scared if I had an extra chain. No, you're going to have an there. extra chain, but you want to make sure you work your way back through the colorway before you switch. Cause this is going to set up your argyle. Oh, okay. Okay. What does that mean? So that means I worked my way through all of the colors. So I did okay. red, oh, got it, got orange, it. Okay. purple, blue, pink. Got it. Okay. But now you've got or green or whatever. I'm looking at, at the end. different one. Okay. So yeah. And then I'm going to have leftovers because it eats up more yarn to work your way back through the colorway when you're doing the moss stitch. That's why. Got it. That's why I have a long tail. So don't worry about the long tail. We'll deal with that at the very end of the project. So just leave that long tail. But okay. once you've done yourself all the way through the colorway, you're going to chain two and turn. Okay. Then you're going to start with red again because that That's was the first color that we started with, it. right? Okay. So I'm starting with red. So I have my three reds. And then I have my three oranges 
and then I have my three per my three pinks and then I have three blues and I have three greens and then I have three purples and then I've gone all the way back through again. So I'm going to chain two and turn. Now, this row is where you really need to start paying attention to make sure that you're creating an argyle and you aren't stacking. Ooh. So stacking is when you have the color from two rows below mm -hmm. immediately underneath you don't the want color. That. You don't want that. You okay. want to offset it by one. You want your threes to start shifting. Got it. To one side. Okay. For me, they're going to shift to the left because I'm left-handed. <laughs> Righties are going to shift to the right. Eh, interesting. Okay? okay. So they're going to shift off one. Okay. Got it. So we don't want the colors to stack. We want them to shift one over. Uh, so I'm going to show Nicole okay. here. Yep. I see that. That's so cool. So see how this it goes to the purple. It's going to start shifting yeah. over one. Yep. Do you see that? I do. That's what's going to start making this argyle, argyle pattern. Yes. Okay. So when you're pulling, you're going to keep the rule of three going and you're going to shift, shift one over. Always shift. Always shift. Okay. So sometimes that means you're going to have to adjust your tension because sometimes you're going to need when you're making the corners because you're chaining two for the corner. Yeah. For me, it's always in the corners where I have to really pay attention to. Do I need to loosen up my tension or do you need to create oh, more tension? Because I need tricky. to make sure I get my three yeah. and everything's lining up. Yeah. So that's where color pooling is a little difficult because you have to pay attention to yeah. are, am I getting three stitches for my color mm -hmm. and is my color shifting one over? That's crazy. But other than that, it's pretty mindless because you're like, three, three, three. Yes, I'm lined up. Cool. Three, three, three. I mean, yes, I'm lined up. But you just up. always double check. Yeah. Yes, you always double check. Quick. That's cool. Sure. So that's color pooling. I love it. Yeah. But you have to use the color pooling yarn. You... It can, you can, it can work with most variegated yarns, oh, okay. but, but the rules with the variegated yarns are that you want to make sure that it's a clean color change right? and that you have a nice long length of that color mm -hmm. that's not too short that you can get a consistent number of stitches from Got that it. color. Okay. So those are the rules. Yeah. But then, so what you did here, so yes. let's talk about Angela's, which is so cool. Got about what, eight inches, seven inches? Uh, and, and width wise, yes. What would you make with this? Because you probably want to make it bigger, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So blanket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can always do blanket with it. What I would love to do, I'm thinking of making this a double panel. So I'm gonna pull all of this out because this is just a sample, oh, but just to so see pretty. if I could do it. I know. Well, I'm gonna pull all of it out and make uh, it double. Okay. Okay. So work my colorway yeah. through twice. Got it. I really want to make a sweater, but the only way that I can think of right now to make a sweater is to do what I did for you and make that wrap. Yeah. So I think I'm going to make a wrap a sweater. Yes, you do. <laughs> so I think I'll make an argyle wrap sweater That's with it cool. and then just do the sleeves at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So yeah, you can make like a scarf. I was thinking scarf. Yeah. Because it's definitely the that, width of a scarf yeah. right here. So That's scarf, so blanket, pillow. Pillow. Yeah. Always pillow. Okay. I would love to make like a real argyle sweater, but I don't know how to control the color with that way. With the, the, yeah. Oh, that's tough. So unless you crochet just sections and then you sew it together, but mm. I don't know how to do a continuous right. sweater that way. Yeah. So it's something to play with, but it's a really cool concept. So I've never heard of it. So that's awesome that you showed us this. Yes. So go check out color pooling. You can find all kinds of YouTube videos on it. And give it a try. It's really fun. Very cool. Yeah. Thank and it's you. just a simple moss stitch. So yay, moss stitch. Yay. yay. From like what? Episode two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like really early on. We did yay. the moss stitch. 
Yeah. Well, very cool. Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. Yay. That's so exciting. You okay. want to get into story time? Yeah, let's go to story time. <laughs> Haunted theaters. <gasps> haunted theaters. And our first haunted theater. The is- Phantom of the Opera <laughs> is here. You're going to be singing so inside much. Inside my mind. Am I really? Yeah, because I'm going to mention like musicals. Left oh, and right okay. Here sure we go. Start singing. Everybody put your head, I don't know, <laughs> take your headphones off because it might get loud and weird here. <laughs> so our first haunted theater comes to us, as Angela mentioned, from Kate. Yay, Kate! Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, Kate. This is really cool. We are going to Decatur, Illinois, (gasps) and we're going to the Lincoln Square Theater. Apparently, a few years ago, this theater was almost torn down (gasps) due to having significant structural issues but thankfully it was saved by locals so it's still good yeah save the clock tower (laughs) (laughs) exactly but as always let's jump to the past first so prior to the lincoln square theater the first hotel was built in 1860 called the priest hotel then it was bought in 1880 and that's why i said it was a first because now we renamed it to the new deming then in 1892 it sold again and renamed the decatur and arcade hotel okay so it just keeps moving around in hotel names okay in 1904 the building caught fire (gasps) no it was rebuilt thankfully but then it caught fire again oh no on april 21st 1915 okay two people perished in the fire oh no yes w.e graham and c.s guild but some other guests were actually unaccounted for so we weren't (gasps) sure if they either perished or disappeared completely just ran away uh-oh. The fire was discovered by an engineer in the boiler room of the basement of the hotel, but no explanation of how the fire was started is still unknown. Oh. I actually have a picture of the fire from that <gasps> time. So that, wow. Back then, that's the fire. That's, that's crazy. The building dead. Atop the ashes of the hotel rose, the Lincoln Theater built in 1916. It opened as mainly a vaudeville theater, but hosted many famous stars like Bob Hope, fighter Jack Jem- Dempsey, magician Harry Blackstone Jr., Al Jolson, and many others. Nice. Yeah. In Feb- vaudeville. Yeah. Vaudeville. <laughs> That's okay. a theme in all this. In February 1926, the theater actually hired a 12-member orchestra for music <gasps> behind silent films since that was gaining popularity. Also, the Lincoln Theater claims that Harry Houdini came to a show uh, to do a show before he was world famous and that there is a permanently marked hole on the wooden stage of the theater due to his performance they called the Houdini hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, you know what my brain is. <laughs> yeah, I do. No. no, it's not that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it in a voice from, uh, have you ever watched uh, the, the Gold Rush show? So Gold Rush is about a bunch of gold miners in Alaska. So it's a reality show, Gold Miners in Alaska. And there's an old man. (laughs) They call him the old man. Nice title. Yes. (laughs) And so when they find an area that they believe is rich in gold that they have to dig through, they call it a glory hole. (laughs) And so I always hear, I always hear the old man because he was obsessed with this one glory hole. And I always hear the old man go, glory hole. (laughs) (laughs) So 
It's like a cartoon. That's what's in my head in no. case you guys wanted to know. No. <laughs> Glorio. No. Houdini hole. Houdini hole. Houdini hole. Houdini hole. <laughs> no, but however, okay, this is a speculation of some claim he never did visit because magician Harry Blackstone Jr. did indeed visit. And he claimed when his father would travel and perform, Houdini would also perform since they were rivals. So most likely, since Harry Blackstone Sr. visited Lincoln, so did Houdini. But no one knows for sure. Of course. Mystery. Mystery. In 1929, movies with sound, or as they called them, Talkies. Good job, Angela. Were showed for the first time at the Lincoln. Thus, vaudeville theater started to dwindle, and so did silent movies. The orchestra was sadly released soon after. The theater went on with success, though, until the 1970s when it was sold to Plitt Theaters, Inc., then again passed to the Carasotes chain based in Springfield, Illinois. It was then on a month-to-month lease basis and was not going to extend the lease past the Mm. end of 1980. Mm. And sadly, the Carasotes chain was known to strip theaters of all their valuables and usables and remove the projectors and the speakers. Where's the sense of history? Come on. Then the theater remained closed and desolate for years, only opening occasionally for some live music and events. The building suffered from neglect and, as mentioned, saved by locals and currently being restored. Yay! Yeah, I'm glad. (laughs) The spooky stories and hauntings about the Lincoln Square Theater have been going on as early as the 1930s. Oh, wow! Yeah. Troy Taylor of the website Haunted Illinois goes into so much detail about the haunts because he worked there. (gasps) Aw, Troy. Yeah, so he knows. Yeah, Troy's like this big guy. You'll see him. Oh, uh, side note, I was talking to Angela. There uh, in Illinois, I think there's a big, what is it, the National Haunted Conference or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Troy is a big part of that. Okay, cool. And we were like, Kate, you should go. Yes, Kate, go. I want to go, but it's in Illinois. Yeah. go. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> and I think this theater is involved, so that's what's cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. The claim that most people talk about with ghosts goes by Red. That's his name. The ghost is named Red. He worked at the theater during the height of the vaudeville days. He was a great stagehand and devoted to the theater. Sources say he sat down to take a nap after eating lunch in 1927, but never woke up. Oh, poor guy. People assume his soul still lingers in the theater. People have reported hearing strange sounds and hearing phantom footsteps when the theater is supposedly empty. <gasps> yeah. People will hear whispers and strange voices and even see a shadowy apparition in the theater's balcony. This apparition is not red, however, according to Taylor. The figure is described wearing a long, old-fashioned dress. Ooh, definitely not red, unless he did a lot of drag. <laughs> I don't think so. That wasn't mentioned. But so far, there you go. Red's a main character. We do have a, a lady oh. being seen. Okay, so what color is the dress? Doesn't say. Oh, okay. Long, old-fashioned dress. All right. Taylor describes in his article that he had his own experiences. Mm. He was preparing for a Halloween show off to the side of the stage when he heard someone walk up the steps and out onto the wooden stage. He dashed around the curtain to into the stage and found nobody. <laughs> he searched the rest of the theater and couldn't find anyone. <gasps> 
So who was it? I love it. Yeah. It was red. It was red. Yeah. In 1994, an entertainer performing with a traveling production saw a man lurking on the metal spiral staircase located in the back corner of the stage. He claimed he heard someone whispering to him. And when he looked up, he claimed to see a shadowy figure on the steps. He told a staff member and they couldn't find anyone near the staircase. (gasps) Yeah. Who was it? Taylor also describes an incident with a local reporter and cameraman. He took the cameraman up the spiral staircase to get a better angle of the stage. And it was pitch black. So (gasps) thankfully, they had a camera to help light their way. Right. Okay. The, the light yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as they reached their destination, they heard loud clunking footsteps coming up the staircase and they thought it was the reporter. Right. Yeah. Since it was so dark, the cameraman shone the light from the camera on the stairs at that exact same moment. They heard the reporter's voice from the stage. Oh, nobody was the on the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I got chills. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Besides the creepy sounds and footsteps, some claim to see the seats in the theater actually move, being pushed down as if someone was sitting down. To oh, see that's cool. I like that yeah. one. That's cool. And there's nobody there. Also, the lights are known to turn on and off. Curtains open and close on their own. And coins that appear out of nowhere <gasps> drop from the ceiling. Oh, that's cool and there's scary. There's like, by the way. A coin could hurt. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah, that's the one. <gasps> but yeah uh, the coins that's kind of interesting because i know that was something that Jin liked to do but i don't think a gin's haunting the yeah (laughs) the theater it's a leprechaun (laughs) (laughs) on theme perfect and american hauntings ghost hunts were there a couple years ago conducting a search for spirits apparently when it first started they chose the lincoln square theater as their first location to ghost hunt so there you go. Oh, that yay. is the Lincoln Theater or Lincoln Square Lincoln Theater. Lincoln Square Theater. Yeah. Nice. Illinois. Yay. We're going to jump around and travel to New York City. New York. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. That's all I'm going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, okay. We're going to visit a theater that is haunted by one specific ghost who is frequently seen. Oh, <gasps> Cool. The new Amsterdam theater <gasps> was completed in 1903. Uh-huh. You know this theater? Yeah. There's yeah. so many well, Okay, in New York. so yeah, I used to teach <laughs> way back when. I used to teach the history of musical theater. Oh, so yeah. I you know. Yeah, I okay. know a bunch of theaters. Well, fun. Yeah. So the new Amsterdam we're going to. Okay. It was one of the first non-high-rise buildings in New York City with the steel superstructure. It was mechanically advanced for its time with heating, cooling, and vacuum cleaning systems, as well as a fireproof structural frame. When first constructed, the auditorium held around 1,550 seats, but now it has about 1,702, so they've increased a little bit. The facade on 42nd Street is made of gray limestone limestone the rest is brick this area was a narrow 10-story office wing as the auditorium was in the rear facing 41st street so here's a nice little yeah it's very like narrow yes very (laughs) narrow yeah very narrow and tall yes In 1904, the architects Hertz and Talent added a roof garden for the theater's more risque performances. (laughs) I didn't know that was possible. Cool, cool, cool. I like that. Yeah. Then from 1913 to 1927, the building was owned by the Ziegfeld Follies, a company that ran a lavish production in the tradition of the famous Parisian musical revue, The Follies Berger. Right? Did I say that right? Berger. 
Oh, there you yes. go. You got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The roof garden was then converted into a nightclub. Hey. Oh, very cool. I was thinking as you were like going through, I didn't want to interrupt, but I'm like, so it was a risque roof garden. Do you think they had a glory hall? <laughs> I just like making Nicole blush. She's so cute. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> oh, the stitchers were thinking it too. Yeah. It wasn't just me. <laughs> Good connection there. Okay, in 1937, the building was renovated and officially opened as a theater and maintaining a few of the offices at the top of the building for whichever production company owned it at the time. The theater did close its doors in 1985. However, the Walt Disney Company leased it the same year, renovated it, and reopened it in 1995 to become a flagship theater for Disney theatrical production presentation Woo-hoo! on Broadway. On Good Broadway. Job. I told you you're going to sing a lot. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, the one ghost to haunt the building. <gasps> Olive Thomas was Olive. born October 20th. 1898 in Pennsylvania. That's my sister's birthday. She wasn't born in 18. Well, I hope not. But (laughs) (laughs) she's still alive. No, no. Um, She moved to New York City to become a dancer with the Ziegfeld Follies at the age of 17. Oh, baby! But it is said that she was already married and divorced before she moved. (gasps) This girl was like moving and shaking. No, she she wanted her independence. Like that's what that says to me. Yeah, like she wanted out of her home. She did that by getting married, and and then then she's like, like "Yeah, I don't want to belong to somebody else. I want to follow my dreams. I'm gonna go be a Ziegfeld Folly girl." Oh, look how pretty she is! Very gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. Soon she landed a movie contract in 1916 <gasps> and left New York for California. California. Uh, we sing that one every time. Because we, talk we about love California. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she met and married Jack Pickford. Does Pickford sound <gasps> familiar? Yes. There you go. His oh! sister was Mary Pickford. Yes. Yeah. Famous actress. But Jack wasn't as famous. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Not as, not as big. Supposedly in 1920, Jack and Olive visited Paris for their second honeymoon and they got into a huge fight. Uh-oh. They argued all night and Jack stormed out of the hotel room. Jack had been taking mercury bichloride for his syphilis. Oh, no. Which is not good. So it is said she... <laughs> he was mad. Yeah. He was out of his she mind. She downed the entire bottle. <gasps> Olive, no. Yeah, and doing so, she died. Oh, my god! So the other part of this, though, is that on the trip to Paris, Jack told Olive he contracted syphilis, and she most likely had it. And the official reports say Olive accidentally swallowed an overdose of Jack's medicine. So we don't know exactly, but obviously she died of that poisoning. Mercury. Yep. Yeah. Her body was brought back to Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx for burial. Then, in the 1920s, Friends would say they ran into Olive backstage. What? These friends may not have known she passed, but they did after telling others of her sighting. (gasps) She was seen frequently after her death. Oh, Olive. But then she stopped showing up uh, when the theater was underused as 42nd Street went into a decline. Mm. But then reports of her present picked up again after Disney restored the building. (gasps) Wow. The construction workers began to report seeing a woman carrying a blue bottle in the off-limits work area. (laughs) Olive. Olive. Yep. Oh, so I wonder. Okay. I'm just wondering if she she OD'd, but maybe 
if she was fighting with her husband, maybe there was some foul play and that's why she's hanging around and holding the blue bottle. She's trying to get somebody to be like, hey, I didn't die on purpose. It could be. Or yeah. on accident. Like, it. yeah, <laughs> I did die on purpose, but it wasn't an accident. Right. And I wasn't on my own hand. Well, obviously, she has unfinished business. Yeah. She oh, just died Olive. too early. Vice President of Operation at the Disney Theatrical Group and Manager of the Theater, Dana Amendola, has had unexplained experiences at the New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. One was in the mid-2000s when he was touring the Old Roof Theater when it was being converted to office space. When he passed below the stage, he suddenly heard the sound of tap dancing <gasps> on the boards above him. What? He quickly climbed to the stage level only to find he was alone. Oh. Knowing Olive's <laughs> reputation, he started to keep reports of her appearances from others and himself. Where Amandola heard the tap dancing is now used for storage, but employees report seeing a woman there or sometimes a disembodied part of feet climbing the staircase. Olive. One spooky current sighting happened not too long ago when a security guard called Amendola at 2.30 a.m. saying he had seen a woman in a green beaded dress walking on the stage and carrying a blue bottle. <gasps> Recent. Oh, I got he, chills again. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, he yelled to the lady, hey, you can't be here, as she slowly glided right through the wall and out onto 41st Street. Ah, so dramatic. I love it. So dramatic. Now, I'm going to read another tale of a possible olive encounter from Playbill.com, written by Robert Viagas. During previews of Aladdin, Amandola said a female replacement conductor who had worked on Mary Poppins and knew about Olive was getting ready in a dressing room. Reading from an email from the conductor, Amandola said she spoke out loud to Olive, Well, Olive, I'm back again, and I'm a little nervous. I just wanted to introduce myself again and ask if you could please give me some good luck. Then she mused aloud. I wonder what the Follies girls would have thought of a female conductor. And just then, according to the conductor's email, four of the round dressing room bulbs flickered on and off for a few seconds and then stopped. Oh, that's cool. The bulbs were all new, having Uh just been replaced for the new show. She said it was like a wink. She was signaling that she was fine with the idea. Oh, that's cool. That's sweet. sweet. Olive. Yeah. In 2014, a patron coming to see Aladdin asked one of the ushers if she could have a booster seat for her child. They apparently don't like to interrupt the show, so they end up waiting until intermission to help audience members. When intermission happened, the usher found the lady, but the lady said she already had the booster. After questioning where she had gotten it, she stated it was the lady at the back of the theater and she had gestured where they were. Apparently, there's no woman at the back of the house that helps during the middle of the show. They asked all the staff and no one had done it. And it freaked everyone out. I love it. Now, it could have been someone who knew the theater in and out, but yeah. not sure who Just was like standing. a guest. Then. Yeah. But who's standing randomly during the show to help with the booster seat? I don't know. So I don't know. That That's creeped cool, them out, though. though. I love it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Right. That's a happy one. Lastly, most claim she appears to men more than women mm-hmm. and is a friendly spirit. 
Amendola hung portraits of her backstage as a superstition is for theater employees to say good morning and good night to Olive to keep things running smoothly. Yep. And Amendola's theory is that she won't appear on cue. Like if people are asking for her to come out at Halloween. He sees a trend between when changes are happening around the building, like putting in a new show or putting a new office in with her sightings. Mm -hmm. And it's right because you're disturbing a lot of the energy, right? Mm hmm. It's become so intense that the staff have to do a special sweep of the theater each night to ensure crazy Olive fans or paranormal researchers aren't hiding in quarters of the theater <laughs> because they found them before. That would so be me. Like, <laughs> I'd be like hiding in the bathroom with my feet on the stall like, I'm going to catch Olive. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Funny. That's so good. So that's the new Amsterdam theater. Yay. We're going to go across the pond, like really Ooh, across the pond. Okay. And I put this in my notes. You're going to see a theme with the theaters I'm choosing okay. to report about. Let's okay. see if you can spot it. Okay. okay. We're going to Wellington, New Zealand. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Okay. That's like way, way across the pond. That's not across the pond. It's across that's like across the, the whole many, globe. many, many ponds. Yep. Yeah. In 1899, James Fuller bought land that belonged to a church in a volunteer hall and turned the old hall into a theater, calling it His Majesty's Theater. Oh, very Very, nice. Very Very, prominent. Yes. He wanted to use it for vaudeville and films. Oh, vaudeville. Yeah, yeah, again. Vaudeville, (laughs) vaudeville. But then in 1911, the building was declared a fire hazard and was demolished in that year. Oh, no. Soon after, Fuller built a new and improved theater that was opened December 26, 1912, also known as Boxing Day. Yes. And it was renamed the St. James Theater and was the largest theater in Australasia with 2,355 seats. Oh, wow. It started as a theater to screen films, but then after the first nine months, they set up the stage for vaudeville theater only on September 15th, 1913. There is some discrepancy, though, regarding the name. As one site says, the theater was not remained, renamed the J- St. James Theater until May 3rd, 1930, when it went over to full-time cinema. So with, with the talkies, so yeah. we don't know. But okay. it was St. James Theater at some point. Okay. Now, Fuller did unfortunately die in 1923. So the naming could have changed afterwards, but I'm not 100%. After World War II, the theater was then again changed to stage performances. It just keeps going back and forth. <laughs> Make up your mind, yeah. people. Well, they wanted to get as many people in, yeah. I'm guessing. Get the butts in the seat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when the 1970s came, supposedly there was competition to possess the theater. But despite that, the St. James fell into a decline and even closed. Oh, no. Do you see your theme yet? Yep. So things are <laughs> declining. They're, everything's coming to a close. And then we get a re- revitalization. Yes. Those last things three. Back. Isn't mm-hmm. that crazy? Yeah. In 1985, the Chase Corporation purchased it and asked for a demolition permit one year later. May 7th, 1987, it played its final movie, Wanted, Dead or Alive. <laughs> and it was a sm- wanted, wanted, <laughs> dead or alive. I don't think that's that for that, right? Uh, no. Well, no. Good job. <laughs> right words. Got yes. it. <laughs> it was a small attendance, but then a group came together that loved the theater and they were able to spare it from being demolished. Yay. Yay. They were able to restore the theater to what it is today. Huzzah. Huzzah. St. <laughs> James Theater is home to a few entities. However, there is one prevalent ghost that causes most of the mischief. <gasps> yeah, the theater claims the ghost is that of Yuri, Yuri, a Russian performer. Some sites say he's an acrobat. Some say a dancer. Maybe both. Yep. I don't know. He's a performer. We usually go hand in hand. Yeah. Dancing an acrobat. Right. 
He fell to his death during a performance. Oh, no. <laughs> Poor Yuri. Oh, no, Yuri. There are rumors circulating that his death can be blamed on a female Russian performer named Pasha who pushed Yuri. Uh-huh. He is known, though, to play with the lights when the cleaners turn them off. They blame Ugh. Yuri for turning them back on. Supposedly, Yuri had saved the life, though, of a stage projectionist twice. <gasps> oh, yeah, this that's is fun. Good. Story goes that the man was searching for a light switch when the auditorium was in complete pitch black darkness. Suddenly, the stage projectionist was forcefully pushed backwards. <gasps> the lights then went turned on. He saw that if he would have taken another step forward, he would have fallen into the orchestra pit. Oh, someone saved that's him. That's awesome. Yeah. Yuri, good ghost. Yeah, right. Then later, the same stage projectionist was on stage while carrying his infant son in his <gasps> arms. Out of nowhere, a beam above him collapsed right above his head, and the, he heard the crack. Just like before, though, an unseen force pushed him out of the way. And his baby boy was carried through the air for about three meters. What? Oh, that's awesome. The stage, I love this ghost. Right? The stage projectionist thanked Yuri. Yes. So he saved his life. You would have. Oh, Yuri's awesome. Yeah, right? Yeah. Good ghost. I, I want him to like, you know, have peace and move on. But like, thank you for protecting. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. He's overseeing everything. Oh, I love him. Another spirit that is often seen you're not going to like is called the wailing woman. Oh no. Sounds like moaning Myrtle. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She was an actress in life and her career went into a small decline. She decided she was ready to make a comeback and performed at the St. James theater. But alas, she was allegedly booed off the stage. Oh no. She grew so depressed that she took her own life either right in the theater or at home. Now she is heard and seen in the theater. Apparently, filmmaker Peter Jackson <gasps> saw her. Oh, wow. Yeah. I want to know that when story. When he was doing like Lord of the Rings and stuff, probably. probably. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't hear anything else except that he did see her in the theater. Oh, that's cool. But she does target female actresses. And she is blamed for an actress who sprained her ankle on stage. <gasps> One actress inexplicably fell off a ladder. She oh. didn't trip. And she was holding on, not moving. Uh, and some actresses suddenly become hoarse on stage, unable to sing or perform. She's mean. Don't be vindictive. She's opposite of That's beauty. not cool. And of course, she is nicknamed the Wailing Woman because people hear mysterious cries when no one is around and a lot of weeping in the dressing rooms. Uh, misery loves company, yep. but I wish she would be more like Yuri. I know. Well, they have like a yin and yang thing happening there, so... And I need both balance again. Balance. I don't know. <laughs> mm. But yeah, people claim she's a very jealous soul. Oh, poor lady. Yeah. The other single spirit seen in the ghost of, is of a tall, thin man, supposedly in his thirties, and is seen frequently. That's oh. all I got on him. So there's another ghost. Thin man. Thin man. Lastly, the most odd phenomenon that happens at the St. James Theater. Story goes that during World War II. A boys' choir sang their last concert at the St. James before departing New Zealand on a ship. Sadly, the boat never reached its destination, and the boys were never found. It is said the staff will hear a full boys' choir singing in the auditorium. (gasps) Wow. But when they go in to expect the hall to find the sound, it moves to another location. Oh, cool. (laughs) They keep trying to find it. I got chills. I got chills. That was a good one. And they can't, they keep locating the sound, and then it completely stops. 
That's good. So there's some boys choir That's hanging a good out. Good one. Yeah. Oh, St. James Theater. I love haunted theaters. Like, yeah. I just, I love it. It's fun, I, isn't it? It's so fun. <laughs> I, I'm just like having all these like flashback moments because you know there's a lot of superstition that goes into into theater. Right. And when I was on stage and and doing performing, and I used to love to go out after they put the ghost light out mm. and just sit there and just like soak it in feel the energy because so much energy just mm -hmm. lives and breathes and resides in a theater even if you don't think it's haunted mm -hmm. the energy still is there and it still lingers and it's a really cool thing to just sit there on an empty stage when the ghost light is out looking out into the audience and just like absorbing all that energy that's so cool I like I don't know. Okay, I'm like so off. No, in I my love own it. World right now. I love it. I, no, theaters are really so magical. I agree. They are. Okay, since California is reported as the second most haunted state in the United States. Yeah. I can't leave out a theater here. No, you can't. Where are we going? June fourth, nineteen thirty, the Hollywood Pantages Theater opened on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. The theater opened as part of the Pantages Theater circuit and featured vaudeville with first-run movies alternating through the day. The Great Depression hit and forced the theater to operate solely as a movie theater with live performances sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in 1929, Alexander Pantages was falsely accused of the rape of a 17-year-old dancer, Eunice Ellis Pringle. Due to the cost of his legal team and the smear on his reputation, Pantages was forced to sell the theater soon after it opened, and Alexander Pantages died in 1936. Oh, man. Yeah. Howard Hughes acquired the Pantages Theater <laughs> in 1949 and changed the name to the RKO Pantages. Hughes set up offices on the second floor and built a door that connected to his office directly to one of the theater balconies so that he could go think in the dark <laughs> think about that for later. that's cool the rko pantages theater even hosted the annual academy awards in the 1950s then in 1967 pacific theaters bought the pantages theater and started major renovations to rehabilitate the building in 2000 the theater shut down for renovations and it reopened to resemble the stately and grandeur theater first built in the 1930s they installed brand new wall-to-wall -wall carpeting and 2,703 brand new theater seats. Yeah, the Pantages is cool. I haven't been. I have you to. haven't I been? Know, I have to go. I know. I have to. So yeah, I haven't been to the Pantages. We went to the Al Capitan Theater. Yes, that one's cool too. That's really pretty and yeah. that was fun. But yeah, I haven't been to that one yet. On to the spooks. Okay, I'm ready. Alexander Pantages himself has been seen in the theater. <gasps> People believe it's because his spirit is at unrest due to his attachment to his prized possession that he had to sell in life. Aww. He's usually spotted on the main floor of the building. In the 1990s, a wardrobe lady was the last to leave the theater. All the lights had been turned off and she had a difficult time finding her way out. Suddenly, <gasps> someone took her gently by the elbow and guided her to the exit. When she reached the exit, she turned around to thank the person who had helped escort her but there was nobody there. What? She reported that she heard no footsteps of anyone leaving. And between the time she exited and the time she turned to thank her good doer, it was too short for someone to run away. She believes it was Pantages himself lending a helpful hand since he was such a gentleman in life. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that very sweet. Yes. Then we have the other former owner, 
Howard Hughes, uh-huh. supposedly not leaving the theater. Uh-huh. In 1990, there was a break-in attempt by vandals to the second floor conference room, and employees think this is what prompted Hughes to visit since his office was located there. Oh, yeah. Since that happened, employees have reported feeling cold spots or unexplained breezes, as well as seeing his apparition in the area. Also, common occurrences in this room are rattling desk drawers <gasps> and su- smelling cigarette smoke. Ooh, I don't like the cigarette smoke. No. I'd rather be cigar <laughs> smoke. That's yeah, a cigar smell. smells way better. Yeah. According to LAGhostTour.com, in 1992, a Nederlander Corporation executive assistant reported seeing a tall male figure walk down the hall into an old office. Soon after this, she heard door handles being rattled and drawers opened and closed. <gasps> She said she felt an unseen presence and a cool passing wind in an area with no wind source available. Note she saw the tall male figure not once, but twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Hughes is often seen on the balcony watching rehearsals just like he'd done before when he was alive. He was spotted in the back row of the balcony during a rehearsal. And when security was notified, because everybody saw him. Right. He disappeared before they got to the spot. Ah, I love it. I love it. This is that same balcony that he built the direct route from his office. Oh, so cool. Howard Hughes. And in 2000, when renovations were being done to the theater, people claimed to see a man stepping off the balcony wearing a bowler hat, walking along the scaffolding, and then stood over a worker to inspect his work. (laughs) When the guy turned to ask the man what he wanted, the figure vanished. And after this event, up for speculation, whether it was a few or the entire crew, but they walked off the job. Oh my gosh. They (laughs) They were like, too scared. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Not doing this anymore. I'm not messing around with ghosts. Right. After oh, this, funny. ushers have also seen the same particular spirit sitting in his seat in the mezzanine level. People think it's Howard Hughes' spirit. <gasps> That's him. That's Howard Hughes. Yeah. Okay, next yes. is the singing ghost. The singing ghost? Yes. Yay. The two theories are this ghost was an actress that either committed suicide or died in the mezzanine during a show in 1932. <gasps> wow. Although there are no confirmed death reports in the theater. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but when the microphone system is up and running for shows, people report hearing a voice being picked up singing when no one is near the <gasps> microphones. Cool. People claim she is a fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, as they hear the (laughs) the upper right here inside my mind, because they do hear tunes from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Go go go, Joseph! (laughs) And the Phantom of the Opera. Nice. Michael Cumming wrote a really good piece on Broadway and Hollywood called "The Eternal House Staff," that goes through all the spooky events that have taken place in the theater. Here are some other otherworldly encounters people have reported at the Pantages okay. Theater. Okay. A pair of sisters have been <gasps> spotted in the mezzanine by many employees. Uh-oh. They are always in the same two seats in the front row. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. That fun? As long as it's not the two little girls from The Shining. It can be any <laughs> sisters. That's good. But they're they're probably older. Probably so, older. Yeah, yeah. Enjoying the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Not, okay. not young little ones trying to say, <laughs> play with me, ah. daddy. No. Okay. Two, for a while, employees have reported hearing a dog barking <gasps> coming dog. from the basement. Even the jingling of dog tags are heard. 
no one can find any evidence of a dog or animal trapped in the basement. Oh, puppy. So someone, someone's doggy is still there. Oh, no. Now, this is so cool. I got to show you a picture. Okay. Do you see the picture? I see the picture. Okay. There's a really cool ladies room located in the left side of the lobby near the lower bar that is referred to as the mirror room. <gasps> yes. Because it has a fun looking powder room attached, which I showed her the picture. Yes. At the end of every performance, ushers are required to check each restroom to make sure all patrons have left the building. After one particular event, a female usher went to the mirror room to check and saw a woman standing near the last sink. She left and told her supervisor about the one lone patron, but then minutes went by and they didn't see anyone leave the restroom. So after waiting a good amount of time, they went in to check on the lady and she was nowhere. <laughs> they had been watching the restroom doors and exits and no one left or was seen leaving out the front. Oh. Others have reported seeing a woman's face in <gasps> one particular piece of mirror glass in the mirror room. Ooh. So we got to go hang out in the mirror room. Yeah, we do. Lastly. Who cares about the show? <laughs> We're just going to hang out in the mirror room. Where's the mirror lady? Lastly, it is said that ushers at the Pantages Theater do not like taking on the assigned position at Tunnel 4, which is the mezzanine entrance on House Left. Here, ushers are responsible for directing patrons to their seats. And after the show begins, the usher must take a seat at the end of the hall but they stand out of respect when a patron walks by, right? In mm -hmm. case they need help. Right. A lot of ushers have reported hearing footsteps coming down the hall and they stand up and find nobody there. <laughs> so these are the creepy pictures. See, there's the entrance. Uh -huh. And then that's the dark, creepy hallway. Oh, that looks like something from Nightmares. No. Yes. It, it's it's right? definitely very film-worthy. Yeah. Like you want to see like a... a what is it making me think of in in the haunted mansion Ooh, the yeah. hallway with the floating uh, yes candelabra. the candelabra yeah, yeah or just it like, like it just keeps going or yeah, something that's yeah. what it looks like to yeah. me oh okay. how annoying you're yeah. just like i'm sitting there minding my own business okay Here's i want to stand oh. and like oh, uh, nobody nobody's here. here again again i bet it happens like just when you get comfortable too right <laughs> so creepy <laughs> i wouldn't want that job either no. oh, all right no, we got one more theater oh one more okay i know there's a lot more but these are yeah. the ones I got. Okay. Our last stop is known to be the world's oldest theater site in continuous use and also called the most haunted theater in the world. Whoa. This is Theater Royal, I'm going to guess, Drury Lane in London, England. <gasps> yes. Where the current theater is. Do you know the Muffin Man? You, the <laughs> Muffin Man? The Muffin Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Where the current theater is, which they all just call Drury Lane since it backs onto Drury Lane and faces Catherine Street, previously Bridges Street. Just giving you a little history. It's the fourth, fourth theater built in the same location. Oh, my gosh. So the site itself dates back to 1663. <gasps> wow. Yes. The first theater was initially named Theater Royal in Bridges Street, but then the theater caught fire in 1672. Mm -hmm. Another much larger theater replaced that one, renamed Theater Royal in Drury Lane. That was opened in 1674. 
Thankfully, this theater stood the test of time as it stayed put for nearly 120 years. Wow. That is amazing. It's a long time, Oh, right? my gosh. In the late 1700s, owner Richard Brinsley Sheridan hired Joseph Grimaldi, the theater's resident clown. Oh, no. No clowns. I don't like them. I had to end with this one. You're going to love it. And was known as the father of the clown. You're killing me. <laughs> killing me, Larry. Oh, mattress commercial. <laughs> My brain automatically goes, you're killing me, Smalls. But oh. like, <laughs> you're, you're killing me, I hear that on the radio all the time. <laughs> Sorry, if it's you're a from mattress commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I love it. Um, but fun fact, supposedly the clown makeup he wore was iconic. And since him, all British clowns copy his makeup to this day. Oh, no. Oh, you know where it. this is all going. No, I okay. hate it. Then. <laughs> in seven- <laughs> Why is it with clowns? Why does it do it to us with the clowns? Because we hate clowns. Clowns are the worst. Oh, Whew. man. Okay, okay, let's get back to let's it. Let's get it. Then in 1791, the building was demolished to build an even larger theater, which opened in 1794. Alas, it was up for 15 years before it caught fire. 15 years? <laughs> and burned down in 1809. Yeah, everything keeps catching fire. Mm-hmm. The current theater, though, was opened in 1812. Okay, so this so one's been around for a long, a long time. time. Okay. When World War II hit, the theater closed and the building served as headquarters for the Entertainment's National Service Association. But then in 1946, the theater reopened, but primarily hosted long runs of musicals that included... Oklahoma. Oklahoma, <laughs> where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Oklahoma, where the waving wheat can sure smell sweet, where the wind comes right behind the rain. There you go. My Fair Lady. I could have danced all night. Oh, I, know that I could have danced all night and still have begged for more. Gotta be dramatic there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That was perfect. Hit me up. What's next? 42nd Street. 42nd Street. Oh, let me see. We're in the money. We're in the money. Or I could have sung 42nd Street, but (laughs) I don't sing that one. (laughs) Okay, what's next? I love how excited you are about this. I know. This is fun. (laughs) And Miss Saigon. Miss Saigon. Oh, my gosh. Which one do I want to do (laughs) from that one? I already sang a Miss Saigon earlier. But, okay, let's see. Why, God, why this man? I don't know. (laughs) You are so cute. I'm going to let you sing. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The heat is on in Saigon. When I was in college... We used to, my friends and I, because we were all music majors, uh-huh. and this is how fun, you know, we used to grab all of our songbooks and go into a practice room, and somebody would sit down at the piano, people would take turns, not me, because I'm not a good pianist, oh, I'm terrible. but, you know, people that were piano majors would yeah. sit down and take turns, and we would sing through scores, we'd sing through all these, you guys are. and so we would make up our own words, and so I'm like, <laughs> hearing... Your own, our own version of Miss Saigon, <laughs> and I can't like get the right words out. Oh, that's so funny. Good job. Oh, um, well, Miss Saigon was the theater's longest running show, so that's cool. Uh huh. 
All right. In 2000, Andrew Lloyd Webber purchased the theater and in 2014 has been owned and managed by LW Theaters, Lloyd Webber's management company. In 2013, Lloyd Webber spent four million pounds for restoration, celebrating the theater's 350th anniversary. Oh, wow. 350. Imagine that. Holy no. God. About tree fitty. Tree fitty. <laughs> <laughs> That's our theme. Oh, man. Then in 2019, the theater had ongoing renovations. Then COVID hit. Drury Lane reopened in 2021 with its West End debut of Disney's Frozen. Oh, yes. So this is it. This is oh, the theater royal. Oh, pretty. Isn't that really pretty? Yeah. It looks very modern. Yes. For a 350-year-old theater. theater. Yep. <laughs> How beautiful, it though. It is gorgeous. Today, the theater seats roughly 2,000 people, streamlined from 3,000 and 60 prior to renovations done in 1922 and the 2013 renovations restored the rotunda royal staircase and grand saloon back to their original regency style oh pretty gorgeous now i should have mentioned this at the start but to see a theater ghost means good luck right yes for an actor production so drury lane should be one of the luckiest theaters oh nice the infamous ghost at this London theater is known as the Man in Grey. The Man in Grey. People speculate he is a nobleman from the 18th century because he is seen with a powdered wig, tri-corner hat, a dress jacket and cloak or cape, riding boots, and even a sword. <gasps> a sword? A sword. <laughs> On the main website of the Theater Royal Drury Lane, they mentioned during renovations in the 1840s that they found a small forgotten room that was walled up inside Uh they they find a skeleton it was a skeleton (gasps) no they didn't did they really find a skeleton are you kidding me in gray rags Uh uh-oh with a knife through his heart (gasps) no (laughs) (laughs) was it real it wasn't a stage prop oh it was real 1840s they found that Oh, that's crazy. This same area today is where the man in gray is often seen. (gasps) Nice. Once during a photo shoot for a cast on stage, all 70 of them claimed to see a man, the man in gray, allegedly, (gasps) sitting in the audience and just watching them. Oh, crazy. I got chills. (laughs) That's good. They witnessed him get up out of the seat that most people see him sitting in, walk away, and disappear. (gasps) Oh. 70 of them 70 wow that's awesome another ghost that is stuck in the theater is possibly irish actor charles macklin in 1735 macklin got into a heated argument during rehearsal one source says it was just over a wig oh no but they got into a fight and macklin took a cane and shoved it into the other guy's eye oh my gosh reaching his brain causing (gasps) immediate death Dude. Yeah. It had to be more than a wig. There's right? got to be some other like. Probably a lady. Yeah. Always. <laughs> Always. From the show Most Haunted. You can watch this. This is fun. I watched okay. it. Season one, episode four. They bring in psychic Derek Akora, who was taken over by Macklin's spirit. Oh, no. And says the other actor that was pierced in the eye was named Arnold Woodruff. 
I'm going to get to that. But supposedly Macklin's spirit is always seen towards the back of the theater pacing and watching. Media McCora believes that Macklin's spirit is stuck because the actor that was murdered is still there and will not let his spirit leave <gasps> the theater. <laughs> the cast of Most Haunted put a theory out that the man in gray is Woodruff's murdered spirit, but not sure since the skeletal remains had a knife in the heart area, right? Right. But who knows? That could be a completely different ghost altogether. Oh, man. But it seems like this theater draws people to stab each other. Yeah, you know that's that? insane. <laughs> it's like getting stabby, stabby. Stabby, stabby. <laughs> Another ghost that is blamed for pushing actors off the stage is George Wilde Galvin, an English stage actor and comedian in the late 1800s. People think it's this specific actor because Drury Lane was a favorite of his, and when alive, he would douse himself in the scent of strong lavender. Mm. That is what people smell suddenly when no one is around, and also when the invisible mischief happens on stage. <laughs> his little calling card. Remember I mentioned the father of the clowns? Stop it, Joe yes. Grimaldi? Yes, I was waiting for this stupid clown to come back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he All had right. a tragic ending when he retired due to bad health, then fell into poverty. He died in 1937, but has never left Drury Lane. Mm -hmm. He has been spotted watching over the productions on stage and witnessed many times by theater staff, actors, and audience members. He is more known, though, for being a very helpful spirit to actors and actresses. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He's not a murder clown. <laughs> He's not a murder clown, for sure. <laughs> One specific recount was when the musical Oklahoma had its run in the 1940s. It is said a young American comedian was having problems delivering her solo lines, gaining no reaction from the Probably. audience. Probably, I'm just a girl who can't say no. I bet it's Ado Annie. It's no always idea. a comedic role. Probably. <laughs> Then during one performance of the show, website Ghost Walk of the Lanes wrote, she said she felt firm hands place themselves upon her shoulders and begin propelling her to a different part of the stage. The hands then gently repositioned the actress's arms and readjusted the angle of her head. And that instant, as she delivered her lines, the audience responded with rapturous laughter. Oh, Oh, it would be a clown that knows how to draw out the laughter. There you go. Ah, okay, clown, you're redeeming. Thank you for like, oh no, oh no. I just saw her finger like flick like, nope, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, this is another good one. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Then it happened again to another young singer years later as she was auditioning for The King and I. This actress was called to the stage to perform, yet she was nerve struck and couldn't do it. But suddenly, she felt an encouraging tap on her shoulder, and the comforting touch of unseen hands began guiding her to center stage. Throughout the audition, her hand was held by this strange ethereal force. This calmed the young singer immensely, and without fear, she sang her heart out, thus gaining the lead role in the musical. Oh, that's nice. Okay, I like him, but I don't think I like him because <laughs> you still have a look on your face. <laughs> this is the end. Fun okay. fact. Uh-huh. Grimaldi wished to be buried with his head severed from his body. No! Why did you have to edit that? <laughs> supposedly <laughs> account for sightings of a clown white face floating in the wings of the theater. <laughs> and that was him. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had to show her a picture they draw. This is a rendition of him. <laughs> like you're turning red. <laughs> I feel the tears coming. Why do I react like this to clowns? 
I hate clowns. I don't know. That's why I had to give you that picture. That's him. But Angela, look. What? We have to go to their garden cafe. This is my oh, end. Oh, that's pretty. Isn't that gorgeous? I would love to go there. Okay. We have. She even wrote in her notes, Angela, we have to go here. <laughs> <laughs> look at this. Oh, my but gosh. Yeah, that's Drury Lane. Isn't oh, that fun? So good. There's so this many was creepy ghosts. So awesome. Kate, thank you for suggesting this one. This was another listener. This made request. Angela very happy, too. It did. I love it. If you guys want to request any further episodes from us, please drop us a line at the at gmail.com. You can also jump over to our website. It's on podbean.com and you can look up the ominous stitch podcast. There we have all kinds of goodies for you, not just a button that you can click to become a patron. Hi, Kate. Hey. Hi, Brittany. But you can also just find any show notes or any links that we have that are connected to any of the episodes. If you guys want to dive a little deeper with us, we would love that. Drop us a line. Hit us up on any of our social medias. We want to connect with you. Let's become a stronger community together. because We have so much fun hearing from you guys and connecting and getting getting to know you <laughs> getting to know all about you yay <laughs> oh this was a super fun trip i'm exhausted clowns man every single <laughs> time you, clowns get me <laughs> she is going to be on the lookout for as many clown stories from this point on i can feel it yep but speaking of oh. no there's no clown no more clowns on no more clowns but, but it is it is movie time it's movie time This week's movie is Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. Released in 2015, IMDb rating of 6.5 stars. The synopsis and the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Trying to escape the ghosts of her past, she is swept away to a house that breathes, bleeds, and remembers. Oh, that's an interesting synopsis. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't realize. I didn't look to see who directed this. Mm. And the whole time, and I texted Nicole this, the whole time I was watching yep. this movie, I was like, this is beautiful. Gorgeous. It is gorgeous to watch. Yes. The way that he presents the supernatural elements. <laughs> Hi, Siri. Siri doesn't understand. So the way he presents the supernatural elements are beautiful yes definitely in his style with it's his creepy very monsters. very creepy it's very stylish the ghosts are scary looking the ghosts are scary looking but they're beautiful at yes. the same time true which is that's his style and you watch the whole time yeah, even you though it spooks you and it's it's beautiful and i was like this is so pretty to look at and it's so creepy and weird mm -hmm. and the subject matter is like hard and it's yeah it's kind of gut-wrenching yeah and and i'm like Oh, this gets such a reaction because you're like, this is, you're finding beauty in the grotesque, mm -hmm. which once I found out at the end of the movie and I saw the credits, <laughs> it was Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Made I was like, sense, didn't it? oh my gosh, of course. Yes, That's so what good. he does. He does a really good job of that. <sighs> and the casting is awesome. Yes. Tom Middleton. Yeah. Tom Middleton. Yep. I love him. And Jessica he, Chastain makes a really good creepy. Oh my gosh, person, right? I didn't think she could do oh, that. She pulled it off really she, well. I'm oh sorry, I cut gosh. you off though. But no, 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 Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Tom Hiddleston does that tortured soul. So I think it's mm -hmm. the big blue eyes that make you like 
your heart reaches out to him, but yes. at the same time, you're like, you are trouble. You're but not trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and yeah, and was uh, I was telling Angela in the car that we just finished watching the Alice in Wonderlands by uh, Tim Burton. Yeah. And she's the, the main same, actress. The same actress. Mia Wasikowska. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. But she's really good, but it's very typecast. She, she plays the very, <laughs> she plays the innocent. Yes. Innocent, really well. curious. Yeah. yeah. She does a great job. Curious, but, innocent. Yeah. And then I forgot that it was Charlie Heenan as the, as her like. Oh yeah. Savior. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. warning, but spoiler alert. But yeah, he, well, I, I mean, I you him. get that. And like, he's, he's definitely the hero type. Yes. He's you have the hero type and you have the tortured soul, yeah. soul and who is she going to pick? Right. Duh. Duh. She's a, a writer. Innocent. But she's, a, she's writer. a writer. So she has to follow like the drama. Yes. And so she, she definitely followed the drama. <laughs> even though she was warned several Spooky times house. not to follow the drama. But she didn't know it was crim. She didn't know what that. I mean, the, the house wasn't called. It was a different estate. She, yeah. It had Ala something. I don't remember yeah, the name of it. But it had Crimson, a different name. Yeah. But then the nickname is Crimson Peak. Because of when the winter comes. Because of when the winter comes, the it, the house is built on red clay, which yes. is what they sell. They sell the red clay to, to bricks. That's their industry. Right. And it's a failing industry for this family. So they're searching for money mm-hmm. and that comes into play. But and you figure out how that works into so. this. But anyway. Ugh. Anyway. So, but yeah, when the clay comes up through the snow, it makes it look like the snow is bleeding. Yes. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful and, and gruesome at the same time. <laughs> Such a so, cool ho- house and yeah. how you filmed it. But anyway, it's so good. I th- I would highly recommend it. I, I recommend it. it. This movie like stuck with me yeah. because it was just so visual mm-hmm. and it makes you feel feel a lot yes because of the grotesqueness and the beauty you're feeling the dual sides Mm, of like I like that of how you want to keep watching it because you're like wow this is so cool and you're very attracted to it Mm -hmm. and at the same time you feel creeped out by being attracted to it because (laughs) it's so grotesque (laughs) all the feelings right all the feelings (laughs) um and this is free on Netflix if you have Netflix if you have Netflix I mean that's not free then (laughs) you're renting Netflix uh I I couldn't stitch to this no you wouldn't want to it's too pretty it is very pretty you there you're there's so much for your eye to see yep you need to watch it not stitch yes how many stitches would you give it um it i think like when i was watching it i was so confused but then it like (laughs) because of the feelings i was like i don't want to like it but i think i like it and but it stuck with me for so long that i definitely want to watch it again yeah yeah good so i've got to rate it high so this one's probably going to be like a seven maybe okay seven seven and a half I'd give it a seven and a half too. Yeah, not as not as high as last week's movie. Right. But um I still would watch it again. Like I feel like I want to watch it again. Good. Yeah. It's in rotation at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can actually stitch to it because you kinda know what's gonna happen, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah I give it seven and a half stitches yeah. too. That's a really pretty movie. It's very pretty. For a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, watch it. Please go yeah. do it. Crimson Peak. And you'll fall in love with Tom Hiddleston if you aren't already, and you'll hate yourself for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. And Jessica Chastain, Dude, man. Good job. She slayed. She's a good actress. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good actress, for sure. She is. Oh, man. So good. So crazy. So many layers. Yep. It's like an onion. I feel... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it is. Oh, man. So it looks like we've reached the end of another amazing episode. Amazing. Oh, I love doing this podcast. Me too. I'm so glad we decided to do this. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a great time, if you can tell. Yeah. If you guys are having a great time, drop us a line. Yeah. We don't bite hard. <laughs> <laughs> But share your crochet projects. If you don't crochet, share your crafting projects. We don't care. We, we love it all. Care. Yeah. If you like a horror movie to be reviewed, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We're open to suggestions, yes. people. And so I guess with that being said, we'll see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. <laughs>